Yo, Rockin', what's up? Yo, I'm doing the knowledge, E, man. I'm trying to get paid in full. Well, check this out. Since Norby Walters is our agency, right? True. Carol Lewis is our agent. Word up. Zakia and Fourth and Broadway is our record company. Indeed. Okay, so who we rolling with then? We rolling with Rush. Our Rush Town Management. Check this out. Since we talking over this deaf beat right here that I put together, I want to hear some of them deaf rhymes. You know what I'm saying? And together, we can get paid and paid and paid Thinking of a master plan. This ain't nothing but sweat inside my hand So I dig into my pocket, all my money spent So I get deep up, still coming up with lint So I start my mission, leave my residence Thinking how could I get some dead presidents I need money, I used to be a stick-up kid So I think of all the devious things I did I used to roll up, this is a hole up Ain't nothing funny, stop smiling You still don't nothing move but the money But now I learn to earn cause I'm righteous I feel great, so maybe I might just search for a nine to five If I strive, then maybe I'll stay alive So I walk up the street, whistling this Feeling out of place, cause man do I miss A pen and a paper, a stereo, a taper Me and Eric being a nice big plate of this Which is my favorite dish But without no money, it's still a wish Cause I don't like to dream about getting paid So I dig into the books of the rhymes that I made Tune out to test to see if I got pulled Good evening, good evening. How y'all doing today? This is William Moore. This is Chill Time is Will Time. And I'm coming at you with a nice, uh, this is a, a special family affair and uh, NBA draft night special edition. Um, I got I got some family out here with me. You want to introduce yourself, cuz? Yeah, what's up, everybody? This is Kenny Moore. Uh, real pleasure to be on the show with you, cousin. For sure, for sure. So this is my cousin Kenny. He lives down in Jacksonville. Um, he, uh, yeah, he also, he's got a podcast himself, too. You want to go ahead and plug that, cuz? Yes, yeah, the NHQ Video Show. Um, you can find it on Spreaker, S-P-R-E-A-K-E-R.com slash A-N-Y-K-E-N-Y. Uh, check it out. Well, we're going to be recording some new episodes in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, so, uh. This is something actually we've been uh, kind of wanting to do for a while. We've talked about it. We actually talked about it over a month ago and uh, just hadn't, uh, mostly my fault, hadn't gotten on the ball as far as making it happen. But uh, finally, yeah, but uh, finally uh, earlier this week, uh, kind of um, just went ahead and, you know, connected with each other and said we're going to make sure that we go ahead and put it in the books and get on a date and, uh, and make this happen. So I'm excited to do it. And um, I definitely, uh, this, is, this is something that I want to do more often. I would love to have this be a family affair a lot more often and, and have my cousin on the show with me. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So um, tonight, um, if anybody knows anything about me, knows anything about my family, one thing you'll know is we're a big time sports family, especially basketball. Um, yes, sir. Yeah, for sure. We've got... You know, all of us have played either college basketball or college football or ran track in college. We've got relatives that play, you know, pro sports in America, pro sports overseas. So that's what we do. So it's only fitting that uh, tonight, you know, we find time to actually catch up and talk about this draft. So 
what I want to do tonight, really, and talk about uh, is, like I said, talk about the draft, talk about some of the prospects and what we, the potential moves that we see some of our teams doing. Um, and when, I guess one team that I'm going to start off in particular is my favorite team, and I know a, a team my cuz knows a great deal about, the Knicks, cuz. The Knicks. What, what, uh, yes, sir. Yes, sir. What, you, what do you think about the, uh, the pick we made? We picked Kevin Knox out of UK. agree i agree well i mean matter of fact i mean at point guard i think trey burke showed a lot of promise at the end of the year last year he did he did so it's going to be interesting to see whether or not we sign him back uh and i was hoping that trey young would kind of sue our spot and kind of put the two of them together him and frank together and have Frank play off, you know, play the, the two guards on defense and then play Trey Young off the ball. But uh, I'm good with definitely with Kevin Knox, for sure. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I am um, with Frank, I definitely see him as more of a two than a one myself. Um, not to say that he can't run, not to say that he can't run the point, but I see him as a two guard. And so I think. Uh, you know, I mean, like I was, I, I think we'd rather, see, I think we would really see him excel running the two and using his, his length and athletic ability, um, on defense to really lock up some rival two guards in the league. Yeah, I think the two on defense, but I don't think he's enough of a shooter. Right. Offensive end should be a two. Yeah, and and especially with the state of the Knicks, I mean, we're kind of we've been a dysfunctional franchise since we let Phil take over the helm. Even though Phil's not there, I feel like we're still reeling from that. And and don't get me started on him. <laughs> and try to and try to find our uh, find our play. We also need to figure out, you know, what I'm saying like find some way to convince James Dolan to sell the team because he hasn't been good for us either. Just cuts the checks and keep playing the guitar, get out the way, it should be good. 
I agree with you. I agree with you. Um, so, and, and so to go and kind of like talk about some of the more, um, the more highlighted prospects of this draft with number one, you know, the Suns. I think it was is expected. Everybody went, uh, that they went with DeAndre Ayton. Um, is it just me or does he remind you of David Robinson a little bit? Yeah, I mean, it, to me, he's he's one of the more intriguing uh, big men that I remember as far as his skill set. And it just to me, just the way he kind of, the way he jumps out to me, and, and this is going to sound funny to you, it's going to be an interesting comparison, but I don't remember kind of being, for me personally, maybe being this excited about a big man since Duncan came out of Wake Forest. Now, I'm not saying he's going to be Tim Duncan, and I don't think he's anywhere as good as Tim Duncan was coming out of Wake Forest at the same point in time. But I just feel like, and I know, you know, when you're thinking about potential, that's essentially guessing. I just feel like the guy's got the potential to really to really jump out and be a perennial, you know what I'm saying, 22 and 12 guy for the next six to eight years. He is, uh, yo, he's, he is the goods. That's the guy for me. That I, yeah, like. He's the uh, goods. I'm a lefty, so I'm a little biased. But me too. <laughs> I'm a lefty yeah, too. Yeah, so, you know, his picks up game and being able to put it on the floor. And, and you know, in today's league, you know, you got the pace and space. You got to be able to, you know, hit that um, that uh, long uh, three as well as hitting that, that mid-range. So, with his skill set, I think he's going to be a really good pro. So right. I'm excited to see what he can do. He, um, the funny thing about him is, I remember when there was a big fuss about him reclassifying, and then they had him on ESPN to pick what college he was going to. And when he picked it, he was going to Duke. And I remember thinking, like, you know, this might be another overha- overhyped kid. I wasn't saying he wasn't going to be good. I just... They, you know, they have a habit of overhyping a lot of these kids these days. And, um, bro, I watched him play like six or seven, his first six or seven games. And my foot was all the way in my mouth. Like this dude, (laughs) yo, hey man, I was like, yo, the only, yeah, he can make it happen. And and the thing is, he plays hard. He plays hard. His motor, man, his motor double. Shut off. Like, he's got almost like a. Uh, yeah, he's going after every loose ball. He's, you know, his second and third jump. Uh, he's not going to be denied getting to where he wants to go. Now, of course, you know, as a left hander, you always want to uh, see him go right a little more. But, you know, he'll develop that. Right. I mean, he's got almost like Dennis Rodman type hustle in him. And that, I mean. And his left and quickness, yeah. And, and that's. Great call. Right, that's saying a lot. You know what I mean? I was just like, wow. The, the only to me, the only knock I got against him, or only down thing that I see about him, actually isn't the fact that he doesn't go right as much. It's just a lack of strength, and I know that that'll come because he's essentially. I mean, if you think about it, this kid's. You know, if he was didn't reclassify, 
he's still essentially a high school senior. So I know that stuff will come with it. You know what I mean? But that's really the only knock I kind of had against that guy. And the difference between him and, and Aiton, you know, who won number one, is Aiton just seems more physically put together. He seems a lot stronger. Yeah, I agree. But, you know, as pros, you know, they don't, they're no longer in college, so they don't need to worry about going to class and this and that. So, all they need to do is focus on, you know, working on their game and working on their body. So, uh, he'll fill out. Uh, I don't have no concerns about that. I, I dig that. Who was your who was your sleeper pick for this year? Uh, actually, he already went. It's another Kentucky kid, the uh, Shady. Gilgis Alexander? Alexander? Yes, yes. Another dude with a super high motor. Strong, yeah. He came on strong uh, towards the end of the year. And really, because um, he wasn't projected to be this high, you know, coming in. Uh, but the kid, man, he just got that. He got that go get it. You know what I'm saying? Like, he, he got that go get it, run the team, give me the ball. Um, He's I got heart. He to go. He's just got flat out heart, man. Because I remember, I thought it was interesting how, if you really think about it, in this year's recruits, he was the um, he was the least recruited or uh, least hyped recruit that came out of Kentucky this year. But he was their most valuable and dependable player. He played on both ends of the court. Anytime they needed a bucket, Cal was like, "Everybody move out the way." Let 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 Shy get the ball and let him do what he do. And sometimes he would make some some uh, he would be some bad decision making. But at the same time, seventeen eighteen year old kid. That's what happens. That's exactly what happens. That's for sure. Who are the? What do you think? What do you think? Who? What team do you think has the biggest um, opportunity to really improve themselves through the draft this year? Um, that's a good question. Well, I'll take the, I'm going to go, I'm actually going with Philly. I was thinking the same thing. Philly, uh, because I like that kid Bridges. And I think it's going to, that's going to signify the end of Covington uh, time there. I think he's a free agent, if I'm not mistaken. So, uh, Bridges is a guy that can, you know, again, space the floor, and he can get to the basket. But I think he'll play well off of um, Simmons and off of Embiid. Right. I think, and, and the the biggest reason I kind of picked him um, is actually just because of the number of picks they have. I feel like if they play it right, if they uh, if they kind of pull like some Danny Ainge type type moves, they have yeah. the opportunity to get some you know trade some of those picks, get some valuable uh, uh, assets in terms of future picks or or some great veterans to help shore up the bench, and they have the opportunity to build with some younger players um, because I felt like one of their biggest weaknesses coming into the playoffs. Um, I felt like shooting was one of them um, because I I think Ben Simmons got exposed when it's like everybody knew he wasn't a great shooter, but they really kind of forced him like kind of in certain games took the took the basket away from him, the lane away from him, and forced him to shoot. 
And that kind of, they really didn't have anybody outside of Embiid or J.J. Redick to shoot the ball. And I felt like, yep, and I felt like their youth got to them. Because overall, they're a fairly young team. He's like LeBron in that in that aspect. Like once yeah, you get a consistent it's, jumper, it's, man, it, it, yeah, it, it, he shoots. You can't if you can't um, lay off and you play up on him, he's gonna go by you with his speed. Right, and 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 to speak to what you were saying about him getting that far without his jump shot, I'll tell you why how I think that happened because it's I've seen a, a, a several players like that, especially when I was coaching AAU, and I think that's and granted he he came up in a different country, but I think. What I'm about to say still applies regardless of what country or culture you're coming up in, um, with the exception of maybe some of the European nations. Um, one of the things that I see coming up as a flaw in youth basketball today is, for one, a lot of the, the cultures are way different. Like when we were younger, it wasn't all about the video games. So we were outside from, you know, eight in the morning hooping or playing football or running around to street lights come on and we still may be out there. So we had we 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 owned our skills like early, so and, and right and so this day and age this is like the video game era. You know what I mean? You know, starting from about ten years ago, I would say is about the video game era, and so kids aren't outside doing that as much. So what happens is you get kids who at seven, eight year eight years old who are just now learning how to not double dribble, and that's considered you know that's considered average, whereas you know, when we were younger, you learned how to stop double dribbling at like five years old just because we had been around the game game as much. So what happens is when you finally get a kid who at, you know, eight, nine years old, who can do those basic, who can do average things or things that were pretty average for us at that age, they're seen as like head and shoulders far more advanced than everybody else. So what happens is they get a part of some of these AAU programs with coaches who don't necessarily put that much into the development of their kids and they're all more about the wins. And and it's all about, this is the best player on the team, give them the ball, let them do his thing. They're not hard on them. They don't make them work on the fundamentals because it's about winning. And they don't want to do anything that's going to make that kid want to jump jump ship and be a part of another program. And I think, and I th- yep, and I think that that's how we wind up 
getting these players who like little simple fundamental things like you were saying, like just keep an elbow in. They've gotten so far and without doing it, because I think, too, if you think about the theory that I just laid out, not to say I mean, I love the NBA, I love basketball. But I honestly can't tell you that the quality of NBA basketball is where it was 15 years ago either. I I honestly think the quality of basketball was a little bit better. Now, yeah, we have better athletes, and the game may be a little bit more exciting at times, but the quality of basketball itself and the type of things that different players can do, to me, is not the same. And when, when we do have athletes or players who can do some of those things that are reminiscent of, of things that players in the 80s and early 90s could do, they essentially look like superstars compared to some of the rest of the players in the league. I mean, you correct me if, my, if I'm wrong. Well, I think, you're, I think you're right to a degree, but I think there's one other element that uh, needs to be talked about as well as the, the, the issue with the kids is that uh, I talked about you know, that they don't play uh, but the, this it's this whole skill training culture. So, uh, like yourself, I'm you know uh, coaching AAU as well as high school basketball, and um, there's a lot of these skills training guys that are doing stuff. Like I see sometimes on social media, that's just like, why are you doing that? <laughs> Not functional. There's nothing that that you ever do that in a game. I got guy like with a ball in his hand inside a tire, like going around in a circle in a tire. What are you doing? <laughs> so it's like, man, you know, the the habits are, are not being, you know, the the good habits, I should say, are not being developed and they're not being taught and you know. I'm in the, you know, I'm in Jacksonville, Florida, like you said earlier, and I'm in an area where the athletes, you know about being, you know, Florida athletes, there's some, some big time athletes, but talk about the basketball IQ and work and the fundamentals, it's, it's sorely lacking, and it's the problem is what you talk is what you talked about in terms of the AAU culture, um, and then there's all you know, the skills trainers where you don't have five guys that you know, teach the game to teach these guys to play the right way. They're just in it toward to get the quick payday. Right. I agree, I agree with that too because, I, I mean, I used to, and, and you see it like what you say, you see a lot of it reflected in in the way kids are playing because I've, I remember going to a tournament one time and a kid was coming down the court and he threw a no look pass, but there was nobody to look off. Like there was, I'm like, what was the point of that? In the direction he was looking, there was nobody there, and there was nobody in front of. I'm like, it's like little basic stuff. It's like the sub, like everything is put put more on like flash than substance these days. And oh yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? I had to explain to yeah. it's the whole like jelly fam and disrespect to those dudes. It's, you know, it is a, it's a pretty looking layup. Um, but like I tell the kid like, last year, I coached eleventh uh, graders. And I told the kids just make the layup. How about we do that? 
he, to, and then some of the, you trying to look so cute, you be looking cute, you you can't even you don't even know where to rip. Do you mess your layup? So like a fifty dollar move with a, a dollar. Exactly. Exactly. And the only way that we're going to change that, to be honest with you, is we really got to start staring, steering our uh, our kids and some of these youth players to coaches and trainers who are just about that. Like, let's just play the game the right way. You know what I mean? Like, you have fun when you win it. You know what I mean? Like, the fun will come with the wins. And you can only do to get the wins when you're playing ball the right way, which is why, like, I think it's hilarious that there are so many people out there, like, hating the Warriors or whatever. Because, granted, like, there's granted there's a portion of that game that can be, people can argue whether or not it's the right way because of all the three-point shots that they take. But what I do see is, like, classic team basketball is the way that they move the ball when they're on, how they pass in the ball. Same same way the Spurs have been successful all these years with, if you look at it, if you look at them talent-wise, they have decent talent, but they've not been the most talented team in the league for a number of years. But they still, every time you look at them, they're still almost at the Western Conference Finals. Why? Because they play basketball the right way. Because Pop ain't going to let that craziness slide. Right. And that's what's ingrained in those guys that make the extra pass. And, um, you know, just going back, not only with the, the uh, Spurs, but with Golden State, just the way that they, the case that they play, even on the, even in the half court, when they're executed, they play with the case that you're always on your defender. So I, that's the biggest reason why they get so, and, you know, of course, having a shooters. Right, right. You can't be lazy when you're playing them. No, no, you gotta be all the way, and it's gotta be all five guys out there. Because with the Warriors, anybody's gonna touch the ball at any time and anywhere. You, you're a hundred percent right about basketball. that. Basketball, everybody's gonna handle it. Everybody's gonna get in in the pick and roll. You know, they're gonna run that that uh, high post finish, and they're gonna you know fake that screen, and one guy's gonna dive to the rim. So you gotta be. But anything at any time because everybody's the ball. Yeah, I I totally agree. I mean, that's the at, at that the the best way at at, at really putting it, like to me about really putting a team like you know beating another team is when you constantly putting that pressure on them. Just like you said, everybody's moving, everybody's a threat, everybody's doing what they're supposed to. Because when you do when you're doing lazy cuts and you playing lazy offense, you give another team time to rest. And the and the more time they have to rest is the more time they have is the more energy that is saved and preserved for them to be more efficient on offense. If you play hard on both sides of the ball, then then hey, you know. Just play 
Exactly. Uh, I think I heard this Trent Dilfer, and it, I'll never forget it. He said, there's three things that you can always control. Your energy, your effort, and your attitude. You control that. So as long as you're doing that the right way, as, and then as a team, they're all collectively doing that, they're going to be successful more often than not. You're right. 100% right. Let me... um. Let me ask you this, especially so since you're uh, you're coaching high school basketball and stuff now. Um, what do you think of the one and done rule? Because um, we got a lot of one and dones in this draft this year. I think I think it needs to be. I think it needs to be stay for two or just three out of high school. Because the one and done is they're not really. It's just a class. This is just going to class for one semester. Right. So it's not really, they're not really getting the, the college experience with the one and done. So I was thinking, you know, it's been said for the people, either let them come straight out of high school or um, they stay two years. I think the solution, and I think that's what's going to come down a lot. I really hope so because I actually, I actually agree with you. Because, I mean, personally, I never agreed with the rule, rule to not let them go right out of high school. And I know they talk about the trappings and the pitfalls and whether or not they're mentally or emotionally ready to handle the pro game and the, and the money and all that stuff that comes with it outside of high school, after high school. But I look at it this way. If you're old enough to go off to fight a war, if you're old enough to drink alcohol, if you, you know what I'm saying, in other sports, baseball, soccer, I mean, soccer, they have youth academies. You essentially sign pro contracts. You can sign pro contracts at seven, eight years old. You know, baseball, all of these other sports you can do so. So why why are we putting in rules um to me also that are that are um a little bit more detrimental to a sport that's predominantly like black kids and black youth benefit off of? Like if you're not doing that for any other sport, don't do that with basketball. On the flip side, I do agree, like if you if they're gonna go to school, put a rule in like stay a couple years, like really take the t- opportunity to like develop your game. Because if you're gonna go to college, that should be used to develop your game. They're not even using it to develop their game. These kids are going, like I said, they're not going really. They're going to class for half a semester or a semester, not even really, you know, paying attention or, or, or trying to learn anything. And they're just really just trying to, it's just another year to showcase their abilities outside their senior year of high school. I mean, if, if, if it's going to be that way, then, you know, bypass that and go play. I've seen some players have elected to uh, take the route and just go play overseas for a year so they can live up to the, or honor that one year at a high school rule. But there's no point in going to, going to you know what I mean, like going to college for essentially a semester so you can just continue to showcase what you can do. I feel like there's not a ton of more a ton of growth that you can make. And I I mean and and, and this is a generalized statement because I know some players like you do develop and some players do get better, but there's not a ton of growth if you're already that talented that a scout can't see from the end of your senior year of high school to that first, you know, to to that co- that first uh college basketball season. Yeah, um, it's, I'll say this, there's, there's going to be some level of, of growth. 
see, you know, some level of growth. But of course, you're not going to see the same level of growth as you would if you stayed two years. Or, and um, the other thing that I liked about uh, staying two years is that if you get halfway to your degree, right? You know, by staying two years, you know, one year doing one semester, that's probably maybe four or five classes. That's what fifteen credits, sixteen credits <laughs> at the most. If that, because some of them, yeah, if that, because some of them, you know, when I was playing ball in college, there were some cats, if you're an athlete, 13 credits is considered full-time. That's all you got to do. Yeah. So some of them ain't even getting 15. I do too. I think there needs to be a, actually. I think there needs to be a lot of changes with the NCAA because, I mean, I'm all for paying players or giving them some type of extra stipend or whatever. Just, I just think it's ridiculous that especially now when you look at the fact that they've legalized gambling with, with sports. So that essentially means now players got to deal with the fact that everybody, even the mailman down the street, is making money off of them, <laughs> <laughs> and they can't make money off themselves. So it's like it's only a matter of time. Like, yeah. pay these cats, man. Like y'all making on yeah. a. I think the last time I seen a stat, especially when it comes to college football, the average uh, universities benefit on average, especially big universities with big time programs, two hundred some thousand dollars per football player profit. So, so I don't care what I don't care what anybody says. I used to take it personal. You know, as a you know college football player and a college athlete, when people was to say, "Oh, you know, your scholarship should be enough," I'm sorry, that, that pales in comparison. It pales because first of all, scholarships not even guaranteed all four years. You have to renew it every year, and if you're making two hundred and fifty thousand off me every year, that thirty grand or whatever, or you know, what I'm saying twenty to thirty grand. That you're, that, you know, you're giving me to get my, you know, for my classes. I'm sorry, I'm not with that. Like you owe me a little bit more than that, especially when I'm coming home from away games and I'm hungry and I ain't got nothing in my refrigerator and I need something to eat. Exactly. Don't tell me that that's not, it's going to cover. It's a, it's a match. 
Exactly. Nike and the University of Michigan are still getting paid off of what the Fab Five did, did back in the 90s and that culture that they set. TV companies making money. TV stations making money off. Everybody's making money off of it. Everybody's making money off the kids. Exactly. The, the coaches are money. They're getting sneaker deals. That's enough. Pay these kids for the sneakers. You, if you want to, you get, you, you, for the pros, they make, you know, signature of their sneakers. So pay these kids. They make the colorways of the, you know, like the different, you know, our kids. And, uh, I'm trying to shut out the coach to rest and everybody that's saying. That's what's up. And stop taking advantage of these kids and just give them what they what they what. I'm with the hey, you ain't gonna find no you ain't gonna find no argument from me with that. You definitely won't find an argument from me with that, man. But um Check this out, man. Hey, I'm a. I don't want to keep you. I know you on a, a schedule here tonight, and you gotta get ready for your day tomorrow and stuff like that. Plus, you're about an hour or so ahead of me. Um, but I just want to say, man, how much I appreciate and thank you for coming and and rapping with me a little bit on this episode. And we definitely got to do it again. We definitely got to do it again. Oh, for sure, man. But me, it was a pleasure. I enjoyed it. I'm ready to do it again. For sure. And why don't you? We'll make it happen. Oh, for sure. And why don't you go ahead and uh, uh, plug your podcast again one more time? Yes, sir. It's the radio show. It's on Spreaker.com, S-P-R-E-A-K-E-R.com, forward slash A-N-Y-K-N-Y. There's some episodes on there that you can do. And let me know what you think. We got some more coming. All right, most definitely. So with that... Uh, like I said, that it, it was it was a family affair tonight. It was my cousin Kenneth Moore. Um, I'm William Moore. Um, as always, if you got any questions, comments, anything, hit me up at chilltimepod at gmail dot com. But with that, I appreciate y'all, and I'm out. I want to hear some of them deaf rhymes. You know what I'm saying? And together, we can get paid and paid and paid. Thinking of a master plan. 
Cause ain't nothing but sweat inside my hands So I dig into my pocket all my money spent So I just deep up, still coming up with lint So I start my mission, leave my residence Thinking how could I get some dead presidents I need money, I used to be a stick up kid So I think of all the devious things I did I used to roll up, this is a hole up Ain't nothing funny, stop smiling You still don't nothing move but the money But now I learn to earn cause I'm righteous I feel great, so maybe I might just search for a nine to five. If I strive, then maybe I'll stay alive. So I walk up the street, whistling this, feeling out of place, cause man, do I miss a pen and a paper, a stereo, a taper. Me and Eric being a nice big plate of fist, which is my favorite dish. But without no money, it's still a wish. Cause I don't like to dream about getting paid. So I dig into the books of the rhymes that I made. So now to test to see if I got pulled. Hit the studio, cause I'm paid in full. Akim, check this out. Yo, you go to your girl house and I go to mine, cause my girl is definitely mad cause it took us too long to do this album. Yo, I hear what you're saying, so let's just pump the music up and count our money. Yo, but check this out. Yo, Eli, turn the bass down and just let the beat keep on rocking. And we out of here. Yo, what happened to Peace? Peace, 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 peace. peace. Ah.